Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and so we're going to try to get the other person to come over to our side via the latest news in books and sports. And today's everybody's favorite sports topics will be brought to you by the two of us to try to convert my wife to being a sports fan. Not going to happen, but let's get into it. All right. And I thought this time we could start with the NFL, since you seem to think I either don't know the NFL exists or that I just want to talk about hockey all the time. Yeah, it seems like hockey is usually the most important thing, but since hockey is It's because hockey is the most important thing. Well, hockey is currently going on as well. We literally are sitting here recording with the Flyers game on the screen here, rooting against the Flyers as always. But let's jump into the NFL. So the Seattle Seahawks have resigned their suspended wide receiver Josh Gordon on Thursday. Resigned or resigned? Resigned. Gotcha. Words are hard. Yeah. He had applied for reinstatement in mid-June after he was suspended indefinitely last December for using performance-enhancing drugs. He's not only used to using performance-enhancing drugs, he's a pretty regular like user of any drugs, and it's not... Uh... A good thing, and that's kind of why he's bounced around a little bit of everywhere over the years. So they took a chance on him there in Seattle, and I think last year he got to play in like three or four games. That's about it. And then he was suspended, so fun times. Yeah, well, his reinstatement process is apparently going well. I don't know what that process entails, but that's the reason the Seahawks got started on Wednesday of doing a deal to bring him back. Yeah, I would imagine it's a lot of peeing in cups. Just because, you know... Not only that, but you have to do it in front of people. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. The commissioner, Roger Goodell, has been overseeing Gordon's reinstatement attempt. I don't know if he means, like, literally overseeing him while he's going to the bathroom. In comparison to Harry Potter, we'll just make a reference, kind of like Cornelius Fudge. Cornelius Fudge is Roger Goodell, more or less. So it doesn't sound like he's actually overseeing anything if he's, like, Fudge. Yeah, well... Except for, like, hearings that are overly unimportant, but we'll go into that later on in the book week because that was part of what I was reading this week. I don't know that Roger Goodell is actually going to be overseeing much of anything, but that's just what the article said. I think it's probably more related to, like, the investigation details and things like that are being, like, CC'd to him more so than anything. Yeah. The ex-Washington football team employees are saying they want Dan Snyder removed. And they feel that the issues reported over the summer have been going on for decades under him. And they blame him for creating an environment that they're calling toxic. Yeah, and I'm not shocked that that's the case. But at the same time, if you're the person doing the thing, like, why are you making accusations? Like, clearly you're in the wrong. Are we referencing Mm -hmm. the employees that left due to the people that were problems? The ones who left due to all of that, not people who did the bad things. Yeah, Dan Snyder is kind of in a hot seat right now where the sponsors are glad that he handled the situation the way he did, and they're glad that he's handling the situation with a team name right, but it just seems like he can't really do well with any particular thing. Obviously, as the owner, he's not the general manager by any means, so the GM is usually the one that's running the things. The owner is not the one saying they're, you know... It's your club. I don't care if you're there on a daily basis or not. Like, you're, you're in charge of the people who are underneath you all the way down. I just don't think that the argument of it enough exists just because, like, if you look at Robert Kraft, who literally was arrested in Florida for going to a massage parlor that was doing 
not massage parlor things, the NFL allowed him to continue to be an owner. So it's like, really? Like, it's that a far-fetched. Is, like, that is he's very, not committing the act directly. That you know? is very different than sexual harassment and sexual assault and everything else that's come out about that club. Like, y- yes. That is not the same as going to a not-massage parlor. Yeah. At the same time, though... He's not the one directly committing the crime, whereas Robert Kraft did, you know, albeit he was acquitted of it, but we know money was exchanged for that problem to be solved. The thing is, he's in charge of the people directly under him. Yeah. If you if you want to get so nitpicky about it, he is very much in charge of the people directly under him and for creating that environment. I don't know. I, it's something up in the air. Like, I... I agree it's bad he shouldn't have allowed the environment to exist and he should have squashed it much earlier on. At the same time, I don't think you can put everything on him just like I don't think you can blame, say, like the president uh, for every decision that his cabinet makes. His cabinet makes, they make their own decisions. They of course, they probably push it past the tomb. They those decisions. Right, so. right. And so I feel like it's kind of the same situation, but I get it. Like, it's not a healthy organization to really be attached to right now by any means, you know. For decades. This has been going on for decades. Yeah. Like, you want to talk about how it's not healthy right now? He should have squashed this decades ago. I don't like, disagree with you. I don't disagree with you on that at all. I just don't think it's right to strip him away from his team in this instance. I didn't call for that. Yeah, but that that's more or less what they're calling for. They want him to step down in ownership, so. I mean, if you can't get that sort of environment away from your organization, maybe you shouldn't have Well, that's have what he's trying to do, obviously, now. Like, now that it's in the limelight, he, he has to take care of it. Has to. Yeah. You should want to, to be in I agree, you should. But at the same time, again, we don't know how much he actually knew about versus what they're saying at this point. So, like, unless there's evidence coming forward, it's kind of difficult to hold an owner responsible for things that are going on in the organization. Like, well, don't it, get me wrong, the owners of the Bears aren't going to be doing anything like that she's a sweetheart you know she's an old old lady who's an owner obviously like that's something that would never be allowed to happen in our organization but at the same time it's like different standards obviously we'll agree to disagree yeah the dallas cowboys released a veteran safety who i had never heard of before and i laughed for like five minutes when i read his name it drives me absolutely crazy that you don't know who this is because he literally played for the bears last year i'm sure i've seen him play because you make quite a few times yeah his name is Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and this happened on Thursday. In March, they had signed him to a one-year $3.75 million deal. They were interested in him due to his interception record, which is weird in my opinion, but he was good at He's very good at creating turnovers and in interceptions, without a doubt. But apparently he wasn't performing at camp, so they said bye. I think that's kind of one of the dilemmas of not having a preseason. Like, I'm all for it due to the current COVID situation, obviously. However, at the same time, I don't know that I'm 100% behind it. Because, like, obviously, games versus practices, like, players show up different for each of those. Like, even if there's scrimmages against your own team, like, there's a certain level of compete that shows up in an actual game versus what you'd see on a practice field. You also have a different mindset, but at the same time, camps are to basically audition for your job try out for your job but he shouldn't have had to audition that's the thing they signed him to a one-year contract he's a senior player in the nfl and has a great record for creating turnovers whether it be fumbles or interceptions so 
It's I'm just, just saying, if you're not performing yeah. at camp, they don't want you. I guess, I guess. And and Jerry Jones is notorious for cutting people at camp. So it's not a first time, so you probably should have expected it and maybe you've been trying to go game level hard at practice. The problem is when you're practicing at your own team, the last thing you want to do is just absolutely obliterate your own wide receivers in camp. Like, the last thing you want to do is hurt them. So, like, the argument of it is you can't really go full tilt. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do for that position. I don't know how many they are. They're very, very deep, and they're actually linked to probably one of the best free agents right now in safety position. Jerry Jones has been having conversations with him, trying to sign him to a contract. He was recently cut by his previous team. So there's a chance that it's a safe cut. It's just a matter of whether they're going to get that contract signed this week or not with that other player. So, oh, okay. But that's still a lot of rumors right now, too. So Jerry Jones has been linked to have made two phone calls to him so far, and that's about it. We'll see. And the Jacksonville Jaguars traded safety Ronnie Harrison on Thursday to the Cleveland Browns for a 2021 fifth-round draft pick. Man, they didn't really think much of him, did they? They really did not. Not only are you just a draft pick, you're a draft pick for not this draft. The later rounds as well. The next one. Yeah. Yikes. I don't know how this player has been performing, but his confidence has to be, like, in the basement. Yeah. In fairness, though, it does have to be a 2021 draft pick because the 2020 draft has already occurred. Oh, okay. So that's technically the next draft. I didn't know that because the NHL draft is coming up. Yeah. NFL draft occurred already. They did it basically from everyone being at home. So. Oh, I remember you made me watch that. You watched the first round. Yeah. The horror. Well, I I endured it for you. Egg ball? What do you you call it? Egg hand. Egg hand. Yeah. Yeah. They don't use their feet. It's not a ball. Uh, I do have a little bit of NFL news. I don't know if you still have more. I still have one thing left in the NFL. Apparently, they're going to do daily tests for COVID during the season, but not on game day. I don't know why not on game day. But apparently, that leads to them not being able to enter the team facilities the day after games, unless it's for, like, medical attention. Yeah, the NFL finally came out with a decent CBA where they are... Why game day? Like... Uh, I'm not really certain. Like, if they're using the same tests that you're seeing in the NHL, what difference does it make? Because these guys barely, it's not a full swab. We've watched the videos. They just kind of swab the nose really quick, send it off. You know, they're not... It's nice and disgusting still. They're not shoving it into your brain like the original tests were for COVID. So, like, I would say that's a positive change, I guess, at least a little bit. But, yeah. What, I, these boys can't handle having their nose poked on game day? I guess not. But it is part of their current CBA. So, like, I understand why they're following through with that. It's just going to be weird that you're not going to be able to practice on a Monday. But I'll be honest, most of the time, the day after a game anyways, they don't really do much anything except for maybe go over, like, the previous day's games to be like, this is what we need to work on, which they can very easily do just the next time. Well, and you have rest slash recovery workouts you can still do. Right. But. And then I've got a little bit of news, a little bit all over the place. This week was really busy on announcing who the starting quarterbacks were going to be. Obviously, being a Bears fan, I'm on the fence about this decision. Having watched Mitch Trubisky have one bad season, one good season, one bad season. So my hope is with the pattern that this is going to be a good season with Mitch Trubisky. Because it seems like every other year he's doing things well. At the same time, we went out of our way and traded for Nick Foles, who I would say most people in Chicago thought were was going to get the starting job just because he's won Super Bowls yeah, and come very close to winning another. So it's just 
weird to see us go out and like trade away draft picks and money for a player and then not even give him the opportunity to be the starter. The argument coming from Matt Nagy is that we kept a large chunk of our team over the last two years, at least on the offensive side of it, added very few pieces, changed very few players, and Mitch has the relationship with those guys and the timing. But can you not switch out quarterbacks if your quarterback sucks one night? Absolutely. You can change them at any time. So, so realistically, it it's not matter. the end of the world. But at the same time, it's just the starter is definitely more respected. He gets the most ups. So like when it comes to practices during the in-between days, between the games, usually the starter gets about 70 to 80% of the ups for the play runs. And then the backup only gets 20. I don't know what ups are. But Basically, okay. the amount of plays that they're going to practice throughout the day. So 70% of the time, Trubisky or to 80% of the time is going to be taking the plays and practicing the plays and the timing with the players that he's going to okay, be playing with. But if he's sucking, can't you just say nope to the other guy? Yeah, but the thing is, the weeks prior to that, he's only getting 20 or 30% of those opportunities to build a relationship and timing with all those guys. When it comes to like O-line and quarterback conversations, like the timing of it, there's a lot that goes involved with it. I know you don't get it because you're not a football person, but it, if it's, you say so. it's pretty important. It's kind of the same reason like why the other night when the Dallas Stars brought Kudobin onto the ice after Bishop got lit up for four goals, he didn't really get that proper warm-up time and gave up that really quick goal. So it's it's just, it seems like a weird decision, I guess. We'll see if it pays off. Obviously, Matt Nagy is the head coach. It's not my job to make that decision. It's his, so. My thinking is just you can change as you go so it's not like you're stuck. Right. Even if he sucks. Also this week, Josh Rosen uh, was released from the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably going to be the starting quarterback down there. I think they actually announced that yesterday, but I'm not 100% certain. Tua Tuaga Tualalo, I can't even say his last name. I don't even want to butcher it. Tua from Alabama, he was the starting quarterback there for the last two years, was drafted by the Dolphins. He's clearly going to be the second quarterback. I think they're going to give him a year behind Fitzpatrick just to kind of learn the offensive system that the Dolphins play and give them an opportunity to really mold him into that quarterback of the future for them. And I think that's a good thing. You know, you never really want to rush somebody out of college to that, you know, NFL level. It's just not the same. That one game a week, yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's the same thing they do in college, so, so it's not that different. It's just the level of compete is a little bit higher. Sure. Also this week, the Buccaneers cut Matt Gay. He was their kicker last year uh, after signing Ryan Suckup. Suckup was cut by the Titans last season after going one for six in his first game. Because uh, he, he wasn't very good at sucking up. field goals. But Suckup, on the other hand, has been one of the most dependable kickers in the NFL. So in its history of his career, so it clearly was probably just a fluke, realistically. And it seems like the Buccaneers are just absorbing more and more players that are being washed out in different teams. Mm -hmm. Dare I say Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Fournette. Um, Feel free to say that. I don't know who these people are. Yeah. I vaguely recognize a name or two in there. And, you know, Suckup has, again, be a been a workhorse for a lot of the teams he's been with before the Titans. He just did not start the season very well last year. Speaking of the Washington football team earlier, they released Adrian Peterson, which was a little strange because he led the team in rushing for the last two seasons. Is it that Adrian Peterson? The Adrian Peterson, who also used to be the running back for the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the one that talks about his mom beating him with a switch when he was a kid. Look, it was Oklahoma. I'm sure it happened. <laughs> but yes, that's the same Adrian Peterson. Okay. Um, 
He's getting up there in age, but he's still performing at a high enough level, honestly, to where... Excuse me, he, he's how old? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I can look it up really quick. That thing's sports, man. He's only uh, four years older than us, so 35. Freaking A. I swear to God. So, in sports, as soon as you hit like 33, they want you gone now or they're going to murder you because you're too old. And you shouldn't be in sports anymore. Well, the quality of a running back definitely wears out faster because you got to understand you're getting hit by the biggest guys always. Linebacker and D-line, you know, they're the ones normally hitting you hard and they're not the kindest thing to have a 300-pound man fall on you, you know, on a regular basis. So the wear and tear is a little bit higher on somebody like Adrian Peterson, who's an every down back. He really could run three or four plays in a row without any hesitation. So the abuse definitely adds up. But his performances have been going down over the last few years. But with age, what do you expect? Obviously, he's not going to be the young superstar that he was at 22 when he made it into the, you know, the NFL. So Cut him some slack is all I'm saying. He'll end up with a spot somewhere, I'm sure. I don't know if he'll be a number one running back, but he'll probably end up somewhere. I or think. he'll end up at a farm upstate. Yeah. yeah. You're going to put him down? I didn't say I, I would. That's really the dark. league is like that. Yeah. All leagues, even the NHL. They're starting to talk about how Crosby is getting old. Like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> but yeah, that's really the big news on cuts and who's staying around. We've the got... actual games start on Matt's birthday, my brother's birthday, right? The 12th and 13th, I think, is when most of the games I thought all off. of them started on the 13th. Maybe they are all on the 13th. I, I could have sworn we had one game on the 12th, but I might be wrong. That has some signings this week as well. Titans signed kicker Steven Gostowski, or Gostkowski. He has been also a very dependable kicker throughout the NFL over his years of his career. Obviously, he's there to replace the replacement for Suckup at their team last year. Leonard Fournette signed with the Buccaneers, $3.5 million for one year. That's one of the many older guys that's stepping into a role in Tampa Bay. Honestly, it's a little frightening. He's a very big back, so like it takes a lot to take him down. So it's going to be interesting to see what Brady really does with all the pieces he has because he has so many threats in different in different positions that it's just going to be a little, like, who are you going to pass it to, man? you got all these options, you know, which I guess isn't a bad thing for a quarterback to have. Taylor Decker agrees to a contract extension with the Lions. He signed a six-year extension for $85 million. $37.5 million is guaranteed after the first season played. So, going to get that net money. I'm never going to understand guaranteed money for sports. Like, it, you haven't even done anything yet. Yeah, a lot of it has to do... So, there's a player, Bobby Bonilla. He uh, was the Mets player who continues to get paid millions of dollars every year even though he hasn't played in like 10 years so like i could understand a contract like that you realize you know you're gonna be over the hill and so he gets paid i think it was like 1.3 or 1.4 million a year no, just to not that's, play that's on the organization for signing a contract like that yeah. that's ridiculous yeah. it's actually pretty common it even happens in the nhl believe it or not I do believe it. I'm yeah. saying for all sports, that's dumb. Yeah. Joe Mixon also agrees to a four-year contract extension with the Bengals, valued at $48 million. So that's a, a pretty healthy contract as well. And the Colts signed their center, Ryan Kelly, to a four-year $50 million extension. It seems like Phillip Rivers and him are really jiving. It's weird seeing Phillip Rivers with Indianapolis and not with the Chargers. It's going to be very strange for me to see that this year, having watched him since he was drafted literally play in San Diego. 
Yeah. But that's about all the news I have for the NFL. It was pretty Thank God. slow week in the news world. There's more signings that happened, but it wasn't really any big-name players or big contracts. So it's just like, if you're really interested in finding out all those details, you know, I can either start tweeting about them or you can look them up. There's really just too much going on with signings and extensions and all that stuff. So. Well, if you want to talk about signings, we can move over to the NHL finally. Talk about my sport. Yeah. We have re-signed Yuso Ricola, and this is literally just a couple hours before we're recording. Yes, it did. Penguins have re-signed defenseman Yuso Ricola. Mm -hmm. I always worry about saying his first name. The deal runs through the 2021-2022 campaign and carries an average annual value of $1.15 million. Not bad for a young kid. Yeah, making that money until the league decides he's too old and kicks him out. So I got a few years for that. He's pretty young, so you're safe there. You also did some other hiring for your organization, not players, but... uh, We have hired some coaches since we fired some coaches. We fired three in one day, so it was kind of a fire sale of your staff. Yeah, we have now hired Todd Reardon. As assistant coach, we did that on Wednesday. He was fired as the coach of the Washington Capitals on August 23rd. After their poor performance in the uh, Stanley Cup. Yeah. He will oversee the defensemen and the power play, so special teams. He did something similar for us in 2010-2014, so he's looking forward to coming back and working with Chris Letang again. I don't know if there are any other defensemen he worked with previous that we still I have. Don't I don't think, think so. so. Yeah, you guys have moved a lot of those guys in and out. Well, we better keep Letang. Yeah, well, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's under contract, I think, for like another year or two, right? Something like that. We also hired Mike... Volucci, I want to say is how you say that. And he came from in-house, just not from the main organization itself. Right, yeah. And he will be an assistant. And we also signed goaltending coach Mike Buckley to a two-year contract. So a lot of hirings, a lot of re-signings. I want to talk a little bit about Mike Volucci. He's part of your success. He's part of the staff with your current coach down in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. With the penguins down there, the baby penguins as we like to call them. And he was not only the head coach, but also the GM for the organization. So the man was wearing two very busy hats down One at that AHL level. One with a propeller, maybe. Yeah, fly him around everywhere because he had to be in like 18 different places at once. Yeah, sounds like a busy man. Yeah, so I'm sure he's looking forward to uh, having one title, assistant manager, for a little while. I'm sure he's going to appreciate that very much. Yep. When it comes to other signings, there's a lot going on, obviously. Do we want to continue with Penguin News because there's a little bit more? Sure. Okay. Obviously, Crosby underwent his wrist surgery this week. Yep. Uh, he's expected to recover in about three to four weeks. And then you also recently had Malkin have an elbow surgery as well. Yep. And he'll be back as well in three to four weeks. Apparently they're both getting old too. Well, you know. Everyone's getting old. Gotta put that metal robot part in there so you can keep playing sports. Yeah. But yeah, I think all the information I have, at least with the Penguins, I know you maybe have more, I don't know. Well, like we were trying to mention earlier, we are currently watching... The game seven between the New York Islanders and the Philadelphia Flyers. And apparently last game for them, game six, Lynn Blom yep. came back. He apparently, that was his first game since he left in December due to chemo treatment. Yeah, he had some type of like bone cancer or something like that, right? 
I don't know how he came back that fast. Apparently, he had a deal with his coach that was basically the coach said he would get the team to the conference finals as long as he could make it back to play them. And then he came back early. And then they don't think he's going to play in game seven. I haven't seen him on the ice while we've been recording. So I don't think he's made it in the game. Yeah, I haven't been paying that much attention to try to find him, but Lindblom is definitely one of the younger talents for the Flyers. And just the fact that he battled cancer and is trying to even come back this year, it's like, that's that hockey spirit like nobody can believe. And Mata did something similar when he had thyroid surgery for his cancer. And it's like, dude, like you don't have to be a man of steel. Like you you can get healthy. And I think... Him coming back early has been a problem for him, and I don't think he was quite ready to come back. And, and let's be really honest, the next season is not going to be starting that far behind where we're at right now. Like, Just take a couple months, man. Seriously, just take the chill pill and rest a little bit. Come back 100%, you know, because there's no way he's, he's back to 100%. But as a player like Limblom, even if you showed up 80%, I'd still want you on the ice. Like, he's just, he creates a lot of offense. My concern, because I didn't know what kind of cancer it was, none of the articles I read said it. The fact that it could be a bone cancer concerns me. Like, your bones are not in the shape to be playing this sport. Yeah. I don't know if they will ever be again, but... I'm also not your oncologist, so don't listen to me. It's exciting to see him back at the same time. Like, it's like, dude, you're taking such a big risk. Just like, you know, go drink your milk, your whole milk, and take some calcium pills and Or get you back could drink shape. what all the normal people drink, which is milk, yeah. not milk. Stop it. <laughs> but, no, I, I didn't know that about him when I saw him play, and he seemed to have a decent time on the ice. Yeah, he was running normal shifts, so it's not like he was getting gassed early or anything like that. So I'm, yeah. like, I'm truly impressed with the way that he played. I know that we don't like to talk much about the Flyers' positivity. Cancer has always been a close thing to me, mm-hmm. uh, having had multiple family members battle it. So like, yeah, your family's had to deal with it a lot. So like, we have a soft spot for him, but f the Flyers. So yeah, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> They are losing 3-0 to zero right now, so... You love to see it. You love to see it. Good news. We're about five minutes left in the second, so... And speaking of people who will probably be kicked out this round, McKinnon said that the Avalanche shouldn't change anything following their elimination by the Stars. He said that basically it was injuries that doomed them and not their actual play. Four of their starters were injured. It's a solid argument. One of them being one of the top linesmen, their number one goalie. So, like, I get it. As a fan of a team that won a Stanley Cup while players were injured for the whole season and part of the playoffs... I don't want to hear that. Yeah. You're supposed to have depth for a reason. But in all those runs that you had in the playoffs, you had both your goalies healthy. So realistically, the argument is... Both times? No. Well, no, you did have an injury to Flurry, I think, for one of the instances. And then one time was Murray the other way around. But both those guys were caliber starters. So like the argument is a little bit different. All I'm saying is you have to have depth to win the Stanley Cup. And if you don't have that, then I'm I'm sorry. You're just not going to be a Stanley Cup winning team because you have to acknowledge that injuries are going to happen. Illnesses are going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, you know, September to the middle of June. 
Yeah, the the argument I have is the game did go to game seven. And let's be honest, most of the games were very close games, including last night's, Agreed. like, without a doubt. So, like... Agreed. I'm just saying they would never have made it all the way through the Stanley Cup if this is the thing keeping them from winning. I think what they really needed to add piecewise, if they wanted to make that kind of push, is a good backup goalie. Their goalie, he performed well, considering the situation, but, like... Well, he I didn't mean, have nearly the amount of opportunity to play during the regular season, and he clearly was not ready for this either. So it's tough. He was put in a, a tough spot. And I think considering the amount of opportunities he had to play against NHL-level players this year, he did well with what he had. I understand what you're saying. I'm just... You have to have a few things to be a Stanley Cup winning team. One of them is depth, and yeah. one of them is experience. Right. And if you don't have one or both of those, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Unless it's just a Cinderella story, and somehow you make it happen. Well, you through just gotta, sheer force of will. you got to think the amount of times like the Blackhawks won out with just Crawford and Nett. Like, we didn't bring in a backup, you know? Right, right. So... If you have your starting goalie, you're definitely in a better spot. And Grubauer this year was, he wasn't the number one goalie, but he was definitely a top three goalie in the NHL. So it's just like, it's a big piece to be missing for sure. Yeah. Well, and we've seen so many goalies stand on their heads during this playoffs. Like if you don't have someone doing that, it's just taking a whooping. Dare we talk about Vancouver, who have had two goalies stand on their heads this this playoff picture. You had Markstrom, who was a mediocre goalie throughout the season, but has somehow just was lights out up until the most recent games where he got taken out. I really was concerned that they were going to move on to the next round. And it's like, you would have, Vegas, you would have lost to Vancouver of all people to lose to them. That could have been the worst. And and Thatcher Demko literally was just, whew. He's so young. That that guy is the future of Vancouver. And if they ever let him go, they're idiots. He still has that new car smell. Yeah, it was his his very first playoff game was game five. He had 41 saves on 42 shots from a team that produces high scoring opportunity percentages. Like yeah. when they come in to shoot at you, they are going to score or get very close to score. And they're very good opportunities. Good yeah. opportunities for sure. And then in game six, 48 save shutout. Holy crap. Yeah. Like that, that's a Cinderella story in itself. Like you don't, you don't come off the bench and have not played a single game in the playoffs and in your first two games only give up one goal and yeah. just absurd 90, 90 shots. That's insane. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's like, oof, just. But I will happily say that there are no Canadian teams in contention for the Stanley Cup playoff anymore for this Yep, year. and so the Stanley Cup stays Canadian free since 93. That's right. Um, That's the way we like it in this house. However, he also set a rookie goalie record, which is kind of cool. He, he's the first rookie goalie to win his first two playoff appearances since 1953. That's crazy. That's nuts. So, like, kudos to him. He definitely performed They definitely weren't facing those kind of shots in 50. No, they were not. No. But the goalies didn't move nearly as well either, though. So, like... That's true. Was uh, that the year that they had those Freddy versus Jason I don't know that they even had that mask in 53. I think they were still just bare face taking pucks to the dome. I think in 53 they had masks. Yeah. I could be wrong. 
either way, it's it's quite a piece to perform like that. And I'm really excited to see what comes with Thatcher Demko. Obviously, Markstrom is still under contract for another season after this. So he's probably going to come back as the starter. But who knows? Maybe Demko beats him out during the camp. You know, that'd be really neat. Also, speaking of goalies being traded or goalies hopefully being traded, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. What year was it that you said? 1953. Okay, yeah, they weren't wearing masks. Yeah, they were taking... It was 1959. They were taking vulcanized rubber to the dome still. If that. Yeah. I was right that it was the 50s, though. Yeah, but the St. Louis Blues traded Jake Allen to the Canadians to kind of solidify out that one-two goalie situation in Montreal. That happened on Wednesday for a third and seventh round pick in the 2020 draft that's coming up. The 2022 draft. Uh, I'm sorry, no, 2020 draft. Sorry, you're right. Excuse me? And the Canadians received a seventh round pick in the 2022 draft with Jake Allen. Yeah. I was like, I know I had seventh round. I just was reading the wrong seventh round. Yeah. He'll be backing up Price next season, basically, is what all the analytics say. Yeah, there's rumors that they might just go 50-50 on the season and rest Price, so when it comes time for the playoffs, he can stand on his head even more than he already did. I mean, he did a pretty good job considering where his team was. But going back to Vegas, Ryan Reeves is going to be having a hearing following his illegal check to the head of Tyler Mott during Game 7 that on Friday. That gave him his game misconduct, yeah. I... It was a dirty hit, so I don't know. You thought you thought otherwise? I thought it was incidental. I don't know that it was ever intentional. I think it's just something that happened in passing. And Well, Ryan Reeves has had a history of taking headhunting to another level, so like... Okay, maybe not then, but... He did a very a very good job making it look like it wasn't intentional. Yeah. So whether that's just because he's a good actor or it actually wasn't intentional. It might knows? not have been intentional, but it, like hit to the head is hit to the head. That is true. And the player is going to be sitting out. Obviously, it doesn't make a difference because the opposing team isn't in the game anymore. Yeah. Or in the series is for the playoffs, so it really doesn't make a difference. But I would imagine he's going to catch at least a game, maybe two suspension for the hit, just because of right. his history. But again, since it's not affecting the series, I don't know if you really punish him either. I don't know. It's strange. Well, you kind of have to punish him. Yeah. It's a hit to the head, like you said. Yeah. Steven Stamkos is possibly going to return to the Tampa Bay Lightning during the playoffs, according to his GM. He hasn't played since the end of February. Well, that was when the season got canceled, so well, like March technically, right? He hasn't played since the end of February. The season ended First week the of 12th yeah, second week of, of March. March. So he had surgery to repair a core muscle injury on March 2nd and was out during the camps due to a lower body injury. So it doesn't sound like the same injury. It sounds like it was something else. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of injuries kind of going around. Obviously, there's a lot of players coming out now after the teams have been eliminated talking about it. But My thing is, don't play hurt, okay? And and maybe your team could have gone further if you would just not play hurt. I, You know I disagree with you on that subject, but that's just because I was an athlete and I have played hurt. <laughs> and for more lightning news, Kucherov practiced with the lightning. But status is uncertain for the Eastern Conference final. Yeah, he was wearing a non-contact, so it's good to see him on the ice. But they're how also close is he? not disclosing any information about his injury. And that's due to the current CBA. I understand, yeah. but because of the current CBA, you don't know where players stand in coming back, when they could come back, how that could affect the rest of the playoffs. 
Yeah, the non-contact jersey clears it up a little bit, but at the same time, like, it could just be out of caution, and maybe he is almost 100%, and they're right. just, like, just being careful at practice. That's all the injury news I have. I don't know if you have any more, but there's been some hirings as well this week, other than just your team. They're gone. not important. Well, not I, compared to my team. I'll disagree a little. The last thing on the Lightning is obviously they're going to play either the Islanders or the Flyers, and it's going to be happening at Rogers Place in Edmonton. So it's going to be the hub city for the conference finals and the, the Stanley, Stanley Cup. Cup final. So it's going to be shifting everyone out of the eastern hub city to the western. Yep. And probably just because it's nicer. It's overall nicer and it, it seems a little more streamlined because the hotels are directly connected to the arena. So you walk across the street and you have the access to the outdoor space for the players with like the Tim's Horton or Tim Horton's. Coffee. You know, coffee trucks and food trucks and all that stuff as well. You have the restaurants. And it being directly attached to the facility obviously makes it very convenient. So right. players can just walk across the street or walk underground from the hotel to the stadium. So Which would be nice for them, yeah. Yeah. Keeps them on the limelight. Whereas in Toronto, like one of the hotels, you had to literally be bussed into the arenas. So. Well, it'll definitely make it easier, and I think it'll make everything sort of more streamlined for the NHL. Right. But before you get to all your signing for players who don't belong to my team. Uh, not players, mostly coaches, but yeah. To people who don't belong to my team. <laughs> I have a couple Bruins players who are talking about wanting to be signed or re-signed and um, being typical Boston players. <laughs> So Zidane Chara says he wants to play with Bruins next season. He is currently 43 years old and could be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. As of this moment, no negotiations have happened. Well, understandably so. A lot of the players took their agents basically off the table temporarily just to kind of concentrate on the playoffs itself. Obviously, the Bruins are out. Well, they also took a tough loss with losing Tuka Rask. The starting goalie theory continues to strike. Depth. Depth. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Tuka Rask's was a little bit more out of his control. It wasn't an injury or anything like that. It was family-related, so obviously it's the right choice that he made. So... But if you had depth in the goalie position, you wouldn't be worried about it. That's People all I'm would saying. argue that they had the depth. Halak is a very good goalie. He just did not perform very if well. If you had the depth, why'd you lose? Yeah. <laughs> and also... Your hate for the Bruins and the Flyers <laughs> is just never-ending. Jesus. Look, I have nothing. Yeah. I just hate them. Hate, 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 hate. You have hate. You don't have nothing. You have hate. <laughs> a lot of it. And... Tori Krug, defenseman for the team that I hate, one of them, the Boston Bruins, he can also become an unrestricted free agent and has made it clear on Thursday that he would prefer to return to the Boston Bruins. On a long-term contract. You forgot that little bit of... No, I have notes. Okay. He said that contact between his agent and the Bruins was few and far between, which doesn't sound very good for him. Well, again, I think that has more to do with the fact that they were still playing, but yeah. Not anymore, they're not. He said he didn't want to sign another one-year contract because he's done it twice in the past and he doesn't want to do it again. But he had done so twice before his most recent contract, which was a four-year contract, so I don't know why he would be all up about that. But he said he's looking for a longer contract and won't take less years or less money to stay in Boston. I'm like, I kind of understand it. He was... 
one of the key defensemen for the organization this year. So. He sounds like a word I'm not allowed to say. Yeah, well, we're, we do have a non-curse-related podcast that we record, so we'll just avoid it. Why did I agree with that? <laughs> but... Basically, I don't know how likely this is that he's going to stay in Boston based on the fact that the salary cap is staying the same. It's flat. It's not increasing. Honestly, if I was the organization, I'd offer him $1 more a year. So be like, listen, hey, we gave you the long-term contract and we gave you an extra dollar. Enjoy. Yeah. Send him a gif of the, I got a dollar. <laughs> You're welcome to do that, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. So the Panthers hired Bill Zito as the new GM. Uh, He signed a five-year contract. He previously was the senior vice president of hockey operations and associate general manager of the Blue Jackets. Gross. He he also was previously served as the AHL affiliates GM and head coach. So he's got experience running teams and drafting players and doing those things. He's got forward momentum. Yeah, he's just kind of moving forward. He just stepped up a little bit. Being the president of hockey operations usually is uh, not a bad position to move into GM roles out of. So Sounds like sense. a headache, that job. Yeah, well, he's got a good coach. The team has solidified itself a little bit. They fell apart a couple times throughout the season. Otherwise, they probably would have been in the playoffs too. So I don't think that he's going to have to do too much. Well, given how many teams made it into the playoffs... Like, yeah. What does it say about the teams who didn't make it into well, the, the playoffs? Well, the thing is, the Panthers had some losing streaks, and that's really where they got screwed. Right. But they had some very good good performances throughout the year as well. So, like, things are looking up, which is good. He's just going to have to maybe make a couple more moves to solidify everything. Yeah. Also, the Rangers hired one of your ex-coaches, Jackie Martin, as mm-hmm. the assistant coach. Martin? Martin. 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 Okay. He previously was the assistant coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins prior to being let go. He was your defense and power play guy. In the East, we're just shuffling up coaches. Yeah, more or less. Um, it's not the first stint he's had with the Rangers, so it's kind of a situation like Todd Reardon where he's kind of just coming back around for round two. But that's all the really like the coach signings I have. It is the sixth straight week of no positive COVID tests. That's good. That's good news. Uh, obviously, we have the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights playing each other in the Western Conference Final. So, calling it now, who do you think is going to win that one? Oh, I know my listeners here in Dallas aren't going to be happy, but I think I'm going to side with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think Leonard just is an all-around better goalie than Kudobin. I think Kudobin works harder than Leonard does, but Leonard is a bigger body and has the tendency to put himself in the right place at the right time. And that's something that's very crucial for a big body goalie. So I just don't think Dallas has enough, as far as all of their players go, enough history with making it this deep into the playoffs. Well, they made it to Game 7 the round before the Western Conference last year. So they got eliminated on... A couple pretty bad calls the referees had made for St. Louis. But at the same time, like, that's not an excuse. You guys shouldn't have ended up in the position where it could have been a bad call. Well, you want to talk about bad calls. Vegas had a really They've been screwed bad for, like, two years in a game row. Yeah. last year. Yeah, there we say the, uh, the major and game misconduct on a shoulder-to-chest hit. So I, I still can't believe that. Like, yeah, so, I mean, they've had bad calls on both sides, but that doesn't mean that anyone has more or less history with making it this far into the playoffs. It's just Vegas has had players who, in other teams that they have been on, have made it deeper into the playoffs than I think anyone else in Dallas has. 
Yeah. I'm excited to see the series. I think it's going to be a lot of offense. I think, however, on the other hand, that Dallas hasn't really played a team yet that's big body defense style hitting that Vegas brings. Obviously, Reeves will probably be suspended at least one game, if not two. So, like, that's one piece out, which they're going to need to take advantage of if, if well. it's... You have no choice but to use that to your advantage. But even so, Vegas has other players that yeah. can beat you up. Yeah, and that without a doubt. I just think that having Reeves' energy and the way he plays not on the ice is going to be a huge opportunity for Dallas to capitalize off the bat, and I hope they do it. They have a lot of exciting young players. They had a rookie literally in Game 7 score a hat trick to get them through. So, like, it's exciting to see a lot of these young guys stepping up their game while the older guys are really struggling, you know, the, the senior players. So I'm excited to see the series. It honestly could go either way. The offense that Dallas brings, I think, honestly, is a better offense than what Vegas brings to the table. Vegas is definitely a big body team. They remind me a lot of the St. Louis Blues when the Blues won their Stanley Cup. So, like, it's going to be exciting. You know, for a lot of years watching the Blackhawks' smaller team play against the Blues' bigger team in the Western Conference Final situations, it's always a fun battle to watch, and it really could go either way. You're talking about Dallas's offense, but then you have to look at the, who's in net for Vegas. Yeah. Like, he's the been king of the so regular good. season, you know, for Leonard himself. Yeah. He has one of the lowest GAAs, so as well, too, he has some of the highest save percentage coming in to the playoffs right now in the conference finals. So it's exciting to to see how this is going to break down. Obviously, being here in Dallas, I wouldn't mind seeing Dallas win. I, I also, would ticket cost are going to go up. Yeah. I also, however, love Leonard with my whole heart. I almost cried when we traded him away. Yeah. Especially for the garbage player that is Subban. Like, we don't like anyone whose last name is Subban in this house. Yeah. I know Subban's a good guy, but, man, like that was a very one-sided it's, trade. And we was. were the losers of that trade, without you, a doubt. You got like an F minus minus on that trade. Without a doubt. In my opinion. Yeah. But I've also been brainwashed into liking Leonard so much. So, But like watching Klingberg step in to play as being more offensive minded than he usually is. And seeing Gurionov just produce more points than a rookie's produced. Gosh, and forever in the playoffs. It's just exciting to see the two of them on the ice together. Obviously, the first game in the series is tomorrow on Sunday. So, you know, and then whoever ends up winning the series tonight will be playing Monday night against Tampa Bay. So, yeah. I'm also sad the further we get into the playoffs because that means there's less hockey to watch. <laughs> we were watching five games a day just a few weeks ago. And right? Now, Man, now those were, were the days. Those were the days. But I guess we will switch over to talking about baseball. Ugh, it's, Agreed. It's, it's it's the good stuff. No, uh, the worst. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw of the LA Dodgers reached his 2,500th career strikeout on Thursday. He finished with eight strikeouts to make his career total 2,505, which puts him in 38th place in that category or whatever. In fairness, there's 39 people that have made the category, so right now he's just like, I didn't know that. Just barely better than last place. Yeah. The thing that was really cool about his feet, he was actually the fourth fastest in the history of baseball to get to that feat. So he's definitely on pace to probably be in that top group of pitchers with four strikeouts. So I wonder how messed up his shoulder is going to be, though, going that fast. 
at the same time, you throw less pitches when you strike people out. Yeah. I assume. Usually. But maybe not. Yeah. Baseball's weird. <laughs> it was still a cool feat. Obviously, I remember watching Clayton Kershaw when he was a rookie playing against the Padres. I've seen him play a couple times against us. And Destroy he, you? Yeah, you're pretty much used to just losing whenever you come up against Kershaw. I think I've only ever seen the Padres beat him maybe once personally in person mm-hmm. so but growing up in san diego i've always kind of hated the dodgers so at the same time it's still cool it's awesome 2500 yeah. strikeouts that's awesome and the philadelphia phillies retired dick allen's number 15 in a ceremony on thursday i didn't even write that down so i didn't know that happened that's cool and i don't even like philadelphia so there you are yeah they chose to break their unwritten rule of only retiring the number for players who are in the hall of fame so i guess he's not in it but they wanted to retire his number anyway so they did he was probably a key part of their organization like that's a that's a cool thing to do like tony gwynn before he was in the hall of fame had his number retired in san diego yeah everybody knew he was going to be hall of famer though so like that's that's a different thing obviously yeah but there's something from philadelphia for anyone who disagrees with me about philadelphia i've got one more bit of news from philadelphia Okay, go ahead. Uh, related to Bryce Harper, he basically predicted taking, well, basically stated, if we don't win the next nine of ten games, we're basically out of the playoff picture. Okay. And they won nine of their last ten games now. Um, he made that comment before any of that had happened, so everybody's like, he just needs to keep making predictions I, like that. I don't know that that is a prediction per se. He made he made the statement after the Phillies had lost five straight games. Um, Ouch. You love to see it, though. Yeah, they're currently only two and a half games back of the NL East lead now and are currently in a wild card spot, so... That's crazy. They went from being... Worst to first. No. Pretty, pretty... They weren't worst, but they, were, <laughs> they weren't far off. So, yeah, they, they definitely moved up quite a bit, so kudos to them. I think it's, it's great that somebody is going to, like, put them on the spot because, like, Dallas Kuchel did the same thing with us. We had lost three straight, and he was just like, listen, guys... We come in here to play baseball, and none of you guys are playing it right now. And he called us out in a press conference, the players. Yeah. And we've won eight of our last nine games. So, like, sometimes it's necessary. So it's not about predicting anything. It's, it's just, just talking trash. Giving a kick in the rear. About you your know, own team. Yeah, to your teammates, just forcing them to play. It's, it's awesome that they, they responded. Astros player Jose Altuve? Altuve? Mm-hmm. is getting an MRI on his right knee after leaving the game on Thursday. Apparently, he had a surgery on the same knee after the 2018 season, which was repairing a kneecap fracture. Fun. That sounds like that's going to go with you the rest of your life, as proven by the fact that he needs another MRI on his knee. I've had a couple fractures, never the kneecap, and I can't fathom that that would be an enjoyable fracture to have. Well, that's why you have to have surgery on that, I assume. Yeah. Uh, Altuve was also the member last year that was accused of having an electric buzzer to his chest to respond to certain pitches coming in. Obviously, those allegations have been swept under the rug by the current MLB organization. But uh, we will just state that our opinions think that he is a cheater. So maybe long-term karma there for you, I guess. Yeah. Instead of instant karma, you get the long-term. Yeah. They literally were going to rip his jersey off after he hit the game-winning home run, and he was like holding his chest down for some reason, like holding holding it, his jersey down so that they wouldn't pull it off. Well, that looks weird, but maybe he just feels bad about the way his chest looks. 
he does he shouldn't be like <laughs> just because he shouldn't be doesn't mean he doesn't yeah i don't think that's what it is oh, okay he was he's one of those guys that's notorious for wearing too many buttons down just like showing off a little too yeah, deep v-neck. yeah, yeah. okay yeah so i don't think he's bothered by that at all and then for like the weird pain injury news ian happ fouls a ball into his own eye. I saw that video. Ugh. Like, even watching it from, like, the zoomed out thing, I was like, I'm glad they didn't show the zoomed in. That would have been so awful. My head already hurts from watching that video. Yeah. And the actual official diagnosis for him was a bruised eye. <laughs> so it's just like... I don't, you can I don't get a bruise can bruise anywhere, an eye, right? I guess you can. Why couldn't you bruise your eyeball? Makes sense. And then baseball lost a very, one of the greats. Tom Seaver passed away this this week. He was definitely a pitcher of the era for the Mets when they weren't a performing team. And he, about a year ago, was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. And also he had contracted COVID-19 this past month. And so it was kind of a downhill battle having the dementia and then... Obviously, having COVID, if you have dementia, you're probably not taking care of yourself very well. So it was kind of a downhill battle. The combination of the two ended up causing him to pass away this week. Yeah. He was the Rookie of the Year in his 1967 arrival to the Major Leagues. 12-time All-Star or starting pitcher position. World Series champion in 1969. Uh, that was after one of the worst years in Mets history in 1968, the previous season. So uh, they basically, he was the guy in 1969 for them. Yeah. He was a three-time NL Cy Young Award winner, which is basically the pitcher of the year for the uh, baseball. He was a three-time NL wins leader. So having the most wins in a season as a starting pitcher. Also the three-time NL ERA leader. So gave up the least amount of hits, runs, all that kind of stuff. He also was the five-time NL strikeout leader in his career. And he was a Hall of Fame induction in 1992. Has one of the highest percentages of yes votes from a first-time induction in the history of the Hall of Fame with 98.84% of the votes came in for him to be inducted into the Hall of Fame his first eligible year. Career stats overall, he had 311 wins across his career, 3,640 strikeouts, 61 shutout games, one no-hitter, and a career ERA of 2.86, which is just unheard of. I almost want to curse. That's how unheard of it is. Like, it's absolutely crazy to have a career ERA of 2.86. That's super low. Okay. So it's sad to see him go at only 75, but for a long time, he was a part of the Mets charities. Even after he retired, was a big donator, constantly was signing Mets jerseys and things like that to sell for the charities for the Mets. So a guy that really took his career into philanthropy after his career was over, and it's just... It's never good to see guys like that go. So. Yeah. But uh, we'll be missed. I know that a lot of teams put out statements this week about it. So I remember watching highlight reels of Tom Seaver before, or like obviously after his career was over because I'm far too young to have watched him play. Right. But at the same time, I know that he was one of the greats. So it's hard to see him go. Yeah. And then going from a good pitcher to a... Uh, Pitcher who I really have a distaste for, Araldis Chapman. Notorious for throwing behind batters. Really just always had an attitude. Is he just bad or does he throw behind no, them? No, he's, like... he's a good pitcher. He's just not a good person. 
in okay. a lot of ways. He was suspended for three games for throwing a 101-mile-an-hour fastball behind a batter who took him yard the night before. Mm, so one of those. It's just like, dude, really? Like, it's not a good look. And and he continues to do these things. He was part of the Cubs team that won the World Series. He actually came in when Cleveland hit that two-run home run to take the lead back in Chicago. I really, I really do not like this guy at all. So I wish the MLB would do something more than just three games. It was clearly on purpose. He claims it wasn't. But nobody just lets a 101-mile-an-hour fastball go behind somebody. Like, that's just not... Not what happens, especially after what happened the night before. You know, it's very clear why he did what he did. Yeah, it seems intentional. I don't know if you have any other MLB news, but that's about all I have. That's all I had. Moving on to the NBA, because they are also in the playoffs right now. Right. Did you not have any NBA news? I'm sorry, that was a very awkward pause. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do. It's just not related to them being in the playoffs. Oh, okay. (laughs) What do you have going on that's not playoff related? So the Brooklyn Nets hired Steve Nash as their head coach. Great signing, I think, They announced the hiring of the Hall of Famer on Thursday and is signed for a four-year contract. Right. I think it's a really good signing. He, He always had that level of education that you don't see in a lot of NBA players to recognize and how to change things to be better all the time. So I think as a coach, that's something that you aspire to have that capability to kind of see and adjust very quickly on the fly. So I'm I'm excited to see what he brings to the Nets. Obviously, the Nets have a couple of players that were injured this year and kind of washed out of the playoffs pretty quick this year, but I'm excited to see it nonetheless. Yeah. There is a Charlotte Hornets broadcaster, John Falk. Yeah. I assume is how you say his name. I let you handle this one because I know he that he will not be returning due to a tweet that he has tweeted. The Hornets had suspended Falk indefinitely on August 17th after he used a racial slur in a tweet about the playoffs. He also made a half-hearted apology after this thing happened and it just, it wasn't pretty. It's not a good look. It's also really not the right climate for you to be making these sorts of statements yeah it's we're in 2020 guys like racial slurs and racist statements should not exist in the world anymore and i know it does because obviously there's a lot of racists still out there but it shouldn't have existed before but we shouldn't be in a climate where people feel comfortable saying this even now yeah i 100 percent agree it's just starting to get really ridiculous it was ridiculous the first time it happened let's be honest it's just like come on man like you're in a current situation you're not back in Jim Crow years where it wasn't acceptable then but it was acceptable by time standards it's not okay like there's there's no punishment of anything less than being terminated for something like that right now and you deserve it yeah truly and speaking of this sort of climate that we are in the Miami Heat are partnering with the Miami Police Department to improve political interactions with black communities. So, I mean, that's the better side of this climate is people are working with each other to try to make it better. And someone for the Miami Heat came out and said that they're prioritizing not just sitting on the sideline and they wanted to get there and actively involve themselves especially in their community yeah they're kind of doing the same thing in cleveland which is kind of neat all the cleveland sports teams are partaking in that they made an alliance where they work with city officials and police officials to kind of work on improving those types of situations so 
Uh, it's good to see organizations finally not just taking a backseat and going, oh, it's politics, it's separate from sports. No, it's part of it. Like yeah. you, When you are a 90% African-American league, 90 plus percent, you have to support the communities that they're coming up in. Otherwise, you're damaging the possibility of future players. Like, honestly, like... Well, and not just talking about what you can pull out of a community. Yeah. Also, just you are an organization, and in this day and age, people aren't going to take you sitting on the sidelines anymore. No. They're just not. We're in a climate where if you say this kind of crap, you're going to get fired, and we're in the kind of climate where if you can help and you're not helping, people are going to call you out for it. Yeah, you're literally in charge of a billion-plus-dollar organization. So it's yeah. like, come on. You've got the power to make you moves. You have so much more power than you think they, they do. And so, it's I mean, this sounds like I'm calling them out. I'm not. They're doing a good job to do this. But so. they need to keep doing it. And right. it can't be just a temporary thing. You're not putting a Band-Aid on it. You're fixing the problem. Yeah, it's a tourniquet, not a Band-Aid. Yeah. And the last thing that I have for this league is the Bucks. What's his name? Giannis. That's the one. He is questionable for game four with an ankle sprain. He rolled his ankle during the first half of game three, kept playing for some reason, and then afterwards got it checked out and medical said he's good to go, but he's still questionable. In fairness, I think it's almost him just not wanting to come back and play a little bit with his rolled ankle because they are getting beat the crap out of by the Miami Heat right now. Well, and, you know, people down three games aren't usually going to come back and win the whole thing especially with something with an injury that's for sure in the nba i think it's happened once so it does not happen often (laughs) to say the least i have a little bit of news some awards were given out this week as well john morant uh, was named rookie of the year this year it's interesting 99 out of 100 people that voted voted him the first place points for being given rookie of the year okay and and he goes Seriously, guys, who do I have to hunt down to get that last vote? You know, <laughs> like, they uh, gave it to... What's his name from the Pelicans? Look that up. That's what I'm crazy. The No Pelicans. The No Pelicans. Yeah, no. Ah, this is so stupid. I hate myself for this. Zion Williamson was the only other person to get a first place pick. And it's just like, I'm starting to think maybe that one voter was from New Orleans. Possibly. Could be the only reason that he didn't get all the votes. He's the Pelican who doesn't know it's a no-no. Yeah. John Morant, though... Unbelievable season, averaged about 17.8 points per game, uh, nine rebounds. So, like, he played good offense and defense, all-around player, and not many rookies put up those kind of numbers, so it's exciting to see somebody of his caliber do that. I think the only person in recent years that's done that was Luka Doncic with Dallas Mavericks, so it's it's exciting to see another young player really just outperform everybody else in the rookie category. It's always exciting. Yeah. Speaking of the New Orleans Pelicans, though, the Brand- Brandon Ingram uh, won the NBA's Most Improved Award. I've always seen that as like a double-edged sword. It's like, you did really well compared to the crap you did last <laughs> year. Like Worst to first. Yeah, like that's kind of the, the way that award's kind of always broken down for me in my brain. So it's like, it's great that he's improved, obviously, and the fact that he's recognized for it, that's awesome. Brandon Ingram is a great basketball player. He's been in some pretty sticky situations with the organizations he's been in where they really haven't put people around him. So I understand why he didn't perform very well in the previous year, but kudos to him on that category. It's definitely not an easy win. We also have another passing in the NBA. A coach that I really didn't get to 
watch much except for when he coached for Georgetown in the NCAA. But the Hall of Fame had uh, he was a Hall of Fame player, and he was also a head coach for Georgetown University. Passed away at the age of 78. The details really didn't come out as to what he was passed from. What's his name? It was John Thompson. But he has taken the Georgetown University basketball team to the Final Four over like 18 times or something like that. It's kind of unheard of. Like the dude gets the team there almost every single year that he's partaken in it. So I know players like Allen Iverson came through Georgetown. I loved watching Allen Iverson play when I was a kid. He very much played in that era of the Kobe and Shaq and was just untouchable. He played for the 76ers, which I know you don't like, but he also played for Toronto. And Allen Iverson is going to be giving one of the main speeches uh, at the funeral. So, like, kudos to him, you know, taking the time to write a speech and come back for one of his old coaches and give a nice speech. So. Yeah. And then all I have really are the bracket breakdowns right now, the way everything's kind of fallen into place for the NBA right at the moment. Obviously, we discussed Miami just beating up on the Bucks right now, 3-0. Right. Zero. I think some heads will probably roll after this series because Milwaukee was definitely one of the expected teams to win. When you go down 3-0, to zero, yeah. Yeah. That's um, what you can expect of the offseason. Yeah. Boston right now uh, and Toronto, they're 2-2 currently in the series. They're not ballerinas. They just are... Two games each. Why won't you let me imagine these sports players just playing in tutus? It would be really weird seeing people that are over seven foot wearing tutus. I like their legs would be very, very, very long. It would be cute. <laughs> if you say so. Currently Houston is up one game to nil over the Lakers. I am rooting for Houston a little bit. I know you don't like that Houston's where they are because they beat your grandma's team, Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. But I've always liked the beard himself, um, so we'll continue to root for them. In my There's mind. a player called the beard. That's his nickname. Yeah. yeah. What's his real name? You're gonna put me on the spot right now. Yeah, I, I am. I don't know what I'm Look it up. Look it up. Yeah. James Harden. James Harden. Wow, I'm such an idiot for that. Between him, James Harden, you have Russell Westbrook, who's been playing very well. P.J. Tucker has been stepping it up a lot lately. He had a lot of three-pointers the other night. So it's not just a one- or two-man show right now. Russell Westbrook is back from being injured, which is good. He used to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, you know, it's good to see the two of them performing and playing well together because they both have pretty big egos. Like, that was the big thing when he came from Oklahoma to Houston. It was like, these guys both have big egos. Maybe they're not going to play well together, but they've actually play really well together. They like to push each other harder. So, mm. And then in the final series, you have the Clippers currently one game over the Denver Nuggets. Got to root for those Nuggies. No, for the Nuggies, the Chicken Nuggies. Or the no, Denver the nuggies. Golden Nuggies. The Denver Nuggies and the Golden Nuggies. But that's the breakdown of the conference semifinals right now. They're round behind the NHL. Okay. So Now I might actually remember something happening for the NBA. Yeah. And then in international soccer news, I know you... I have non-international soccer news. Non-international soccer news? You have what kind of soccer news? National soccer news. The MLS. MLS? I didn't write anything for the MLS, so... The Toronto FC captain, Michael Bradley, will miss several weeks due to a knee injury sustained during Tuesday's game. I always forget that he plays for that team because he, for the longest time, his him and his dad were... Uh, well, his dad was a major part of the coaching organization and he's come up to the youth programs, so... I don't know who it is, but he's got an injured knee. Okay. And the MRI shows a grade two sprain of his MCL. I don't know how you sprain your MCL. It sounds painful. Yeah, anything with the MCL is not... I'm a 
fun thing. No. And something else speaking to the sports organizations that people can be a part of. 13 current or former employees detail a toxic, sexist company culture at the Utah soccer organization, and it is currently under investigation by the MLS. Didn't we already discuss this, I feel like, last week a little bit? We discussed... Touched on it. ...actual events that were happening, but 13 people have come out and said that it's a toxic and sexist company to work for. Yeah, the guy sounds like a real piece of... You know what? Um, but according to you, he's not responsible for what happens in his organization. No, he, he 100% was involved in some of these accusations, so it's a little different. He, yeah. He's being accused. The owner of the Washington Redskins is not being accused of any of the acts, so no, that's... You mean the Washington and, no-names? Yeah, well, yeah. It's apples and oranges in, in that one. I guess. It, either way, you get these sports organizations where it's such a boys club and it's such a toxic and just sexist environment that I think you're going to have trouble going into any of these organizations and not saying, oh, this is a boys club. Yeah. But that's all I had for the MLS. International soccer, the news this week was, will Messi stay or go? That's sort of been a running theme for, for about a, a week and a half now. Yeah. Basically, Messi and his lawyers stated that the free transfer window in June wasn't an option because it wasn't, because he was under contract to finish the season, which includes Champions League play with the organization at Barcelona. Ownership of Barcelona stated, well, yeah, you're right about the contract thing. However, if you had told us you were interested in leaving in June, which they weren't even playing games, you should have told us. And it's like, you guys weren't even hosting practices. How right. is he supposed to tell you? Like You could send an email you to your coach. Yeah, like, it, it's just... I want out of here. I, I get his... SOS. I get his argument with it. I get the argument of La Liga. La Liga doesn't want to lose another player. They obviously lost... Two players r- left r- Barcelona r- alone this week. Yeah, and, and they lost Ronaldo as well last year in La Liga. Mm-hmm. to Juventus. So like I get why they don't want to lose them. Their league is becoming less and less entertaining. And based off their qualifications, they had one team that qualified to make it into these semifinals and well, they got obliterated. So like forcing people to stay isn't how you make your league stronger in yeah. my opinion. And Sevilla made it further into the actual like they won the Europa League, but at the same time, it's like if Sevilla gets blown out in the Super Cup here in like a couple weeks, mm-hmm. they have no right to even compete. Like their teams don't belong in the Champions League. I don't know. That's a whole different discussion than Messi. Yeah, but it, it it's the same argument that his lawyers were trying to make. It's like it's not a competitive league anymore. I'm not. I, why am I here? Right, and I can understand wanting to leave, but if your contract won't allow you to leave, you kind of just have to sit there. That's your only choice. I think the greatest irony of it is leadership in La Liga just three years ago. We're talking all sorts of trash about the Bundesliga, and the Bundesliga has manhandled teams from La Liga for like the last two seasons in Champions League and Europa League. So it's like, get off your high horse. It's not that great of a league. It's really not. So... Well, on top of Messi trying to leave Barcelona, like I said, two players that I've seen have been traded from Barcelona in this week alone. And I think that's another little bit of a slap in the face to Messi, too, as Yes, well. it is. Like, yeah. La Liga told basically anybody that wanted to trade for him or sign him to a contract, they'd have to pay a 700 million euro penalty. 
And Nobody then, in their right mind is going to pay that no. much money for an old Messi. It's just not. And then Barcelona traded striker Luis Suarez to Juventus. He's an interesting character. He used to bite players. So like. Yeah, you can take the biter, but if you want to take an old Messi, you got to pay for him. Right. And obviously it hasn't happened in a long time. Suarez, when he was in the Premier League, wasn't like licking people like our favorite Marchand. Yeah. But like he literally would bite people. Like people joked that like. He looked like a horse one time when he bit him. The mouth got so wide open, it was like, ah, horse-like, almost. Yeah. I don't know. Suarez is a great striker. He's going to end up fine wherever he lands. But Just put a muzzle on him. Yeah, a little bit. Like, it's a concern. The other player I saw get traded from Barcelona was Ivan Rakitic. I don't know where he went, but I know he left Barcelona. Don't even know who he is. That proves another statement that La Liga just has donkey players on a number one team. I just don't understand it. He's an ex-Barcelona player now. Yeah, well. I don't know if that helped you figure out who it was, but... No. I don't know that I approve of or agree with keeping players who don't want to be on your team anymore. Yeah. People who are completely unhappy. And I understand that they're trying to keep the league relevant and their team relevant, but at the same time, he's not going to perform for you. Yeah, he's... He literally did not show up to any of the COVID testing pre-camp. He hasn't shown up to any of the camp-related Well, I'm activities. sure he's going to get fined through the nose. Well, just who cares? Messi is a multi-Ballon d'Or winner. He's not ever going to be concerned about money. Like, it's Well, not does issue. he have 700 million euros? He doesn't quite have that much. That's a pretty crazy task. Because if he did, he could buy his indenture and move on. Rumors is coming the December trade window where there's free transfers available is when he'll be moved. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so they have two transfer windows, summer and winter. So, like, come closer to December, there's a chance he'll be out of the organization. Okay. So he's basically going to have to wait and just pony up in the meantime and play things. But speaking of international soccer, we also will be starting around the same time as the NFL, September 12th and 13th. Premier League and Bundesliga will be kicking off. Technically, the NFL is playing on the 10th, one game, and then everyone else starts on the 13th. I looked that up earlier. Gotcha. So all around the same time, everything should be firing off for the rest of the leagues as well again, Um, which is crazy to think because it just seems like we just finished the season. It's because we did just finish. Last week. Yeah. You in particular, yeah. yeah. Um, but this week we had the Nations League, which I have a distaste in my mouth. I think the Euros and the World Cup are enough competitions. We don't need another another league stepping into this weird in between time. I, I think you think people need to rest. Yeah, give them a break. Like these guys, they in a soccer season, it just drags out so long. You know, like. They barely get any time off as it is. Well, but don't they take that giant break in the middle of, like, December and January? Like, It's not going to happen this year. And the Nations League is going on in those dead times. Mm. So, like, it's it honestly should have been canceled this year. None of the group stage games have been played up until this week. So it's like there wasn't an excuse. They could have put it on hiatus. It wouldn't have affected it. But go over the groups really quick right now. Just the leaders. I'm not going to dive into all the standings and things because like that. Because you don't approve. Well, not because I don't approve. There's but also because you don't approve. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That sounds disgusting. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 groups. So there's a lot. And yep. it, it, it's the very first stages of it. For elimination so i can put up with some soccer but that's too much soccer yeah so league a group one 
The Netherlands leads the group with three points currently because they won their first game. Nice. Um, Poland is currently in last place. Bosnia and Herzegovina and Italy are tied with a draw. Um, with one point each. League A Group 2, Belgium currently leads the group. They have a goal differential putting them in first place right now over England. Both those teams won their games. The bottom two teams are obviously in third and last place accordingly. League A Group 3, you have Portugal and France. They both won their games and they will be at the top of the table. This has been linked to being one of the toughest groups to be in because Sweden is also a very top performing team usually. They're in that group as well. And Croatia, from time to time, surprises some people. I would not want to be in that group. That's that's just craziness. League A Group 4 is the group that Germany is in. We drew out with Spain. And Ukraine defeated Switzerland. So Ukraine, of all teams, currently sits on the top of the group where they were not expected to perform at all. Yeah. So I have a feeling that will change in latter games because both Spain and Germany should handle their business pretty well against those two teams. Germany, I would think, yeah. For sure. Well, they didn't perform very well in the last World Cup situation, so. Uh, League B, Group 1. Austria leads that group currently. Uh, Northern Ireland and Romania drew out against one another. And we'll add to the news currently, the Flyers have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup. That's what you want to see. Sorry for the interruption on that. I think the irony of that is that Barry Trotz is doing so well without the Capitals. Kudos to Barry Trotz moving along the Islanders. Islanders and the Lightning will be facing off Monday night. Yep. But back to the Nations League coverage. We have Group 2 of League B. Czech Republic won their first game. Israel and Scotland drew out. Slovakia taking the loss against the Czech Republic. League B, Group 3. Russia and Hungary both won their first games, uh, leaving Turkey and Serbia in the lower portion of the ranks. Did Hungary play Turkey? I'm not sure. Actually, yes. Yes, they did. So yes. I will leave all those jokes in your imagination. Yes. But no, they are there. Yeah. Wales is sitting on top of Group 4. Ireland and Bulgaria drew out. Uh, Wales defeated Finland. Come on, Ireland. And all I have to say is Wales, Wales, Wales. Mm. Um, they have a dragon on their flag i can support them yeah it is a pretty cool flag it is league c group one montenegro and luxembourg both picked up their wins and azerbaijan and cyprus were both defeated in group two in league c uh, north macedonia defeated armenia georgia defeated estonia so um what's weird with nations league is there's like tiers so like if you win league c this year you can move up to league b in the next year and like there's relegation involved with it and that all sorts sounds of weird like things. normal soccer yeah except for they're playing it on an international all of europe scale even yeah. small countries including kosovo moldova greece and slovenia who all drew they each drew out with each other they're so um, peaceful yeah, yeah, they're all in the same boat. League C, Group 4, Albania and Kazakhstan both won their games over Belarus and Lithuania. And then League D, Group 1, which is the lowest group you don't really want to be in this group. Faroe Islands defeated Malta and Andorra and Latvia drew out. And then in Group 2, League D, there was a four team, but due to COVID reasons and them not being able to get it on their hand, I don't know which country it is, but they were removed from the group. So there's only three teams in this group. That's so going to be weird. Two teams have played each other so far, uh, and that's Gibraltar and San Marino. Yes, the city-states of Gibraltar and San Marino had to play each other. Populations under a million people. 
Okay. Uh, which is crazy to me that they can even field a team professionally. And the other city state in that group is Liechtenstein. I want them to win. You want the Liechtenstein? I want them to make it all the way to A1. It'll never happen, but... I want it to happen. Yeah, but that's Nations League for the week. Sorry about the boring scores, but that is what it is. Soccer, it's boring, yes. It's not boring, it's just there's so much. I don't like the Nations League because there's just too many teams that qualify. Like... Liechtenstein. Yeah. I want them to make it all the way to San A1. San Marino and Gibraltar. Gibraltar's literally a city-state. So is San Marino and Liechtenstein, for that matter. You know what? I don't care what you say. I'm going to root for Liechtenstein. Yeah. I would love to see Faroe Islands do some light damage. It would be really funny to watch. Yeah. But that's pretty much all the soccer news I have, unless you have something else. No. Just that NHL update. The, the Flyers have finally gone to bed and will not be playing in the next round. <laughs> That's what we want to see in this house. Flyers losses. Yeah, definitely. In that case, I think that's all the news we have for you guys this week in sports. Obviously, we will have an episode of news and books later in the week. Right now, it looks like a pretty long episode for you guys, so sorry about that. Not sorry. And all of our social media will be linked down in the show notes. And we appreciate it so much, guys, and we'll catch you later on in the week. Bye. Bye.